0: For the next few weeks, in August, we're going to be talking about best news ever. And I've got some great news for you. Tia and Jake are getting married next Sunday in Kitchener, Waterloo, somewhere in Ontario. And this is your last chance to sign your wedding card. And uh, we're gonna send uh, an official delegation from Mealum Chapel. I'm going to pray in Judy all the way down there. And that's good news. Jacob's here getting married. That's really good news. Uh, I've got some more good news for you. Um, this really excites my father-in-law, Bob. Uh, the Blue Jays are really on the road to the World Series. That's very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't been relevant in 20 years. So that's exciting for some of us. Uh, what's some other good news? Uh, well, let me think. Uh, let me define the good news, and I'll tell you why I'm talking about good news. For the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the gospel. Here's an excellent definition of the gospel, the best I've ever read. It was written in, fairly recently, in 1525, by William Tyndale. He's a guy who translated the Bible into English, and was killed for his efforts. But this is how he defined the gospel. Euangelion is what we call the gospel is a Greek word signifying good, merry, glad, and joyful news that makes a man's heart glad and makes him sing, dance, and leap for joy. That's the gospel. Now, don't worry. I likely won't start singing, dancing, or leaping for joy because I don't want to repel you. I want to, to listen to everything else I'm going to say this morning. But I'm asking you now... I'm going to give you a Henry to help me. Henry, come, the mic. What makes you sing, dance, and leap for joy? I just tried to get things started a little bit with some good news things that are happening around Elam. But what kind of things, what makes you sing, dance, and leap for joy? Henry's got a mic. Okay, over there. Hands up. I'm going to say hands up, baby hands up. Yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> I won't sing, sorry, I (laughs) promise. Playing with our little three-year-old grandson. It's just so super fun. Right, playing with a three-year-old grandson. That's awesome. Great. Anybody else? Oh, we're dancing for joy already. This is awesome. Great. Well, the joy and excitement that I have that I get to dance for once a month is seeing my daughter... Right on, right on, Amanda. That's great. Seeing your daughter once, but that's great. Anybody else? What makes you sing, dance, and leap for joy? The birth of a new baby. The birth of a new baby. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. A sunny. And one where the humidex exits below 40, <laughs> which we've experienced this morning. That's, yeah, and then you're able to leap for joy. That's great. Anyone else? What else makes you sing, laugh, and dance for joy? Sorry, sing, dance, and leap for joy. Anything else? I know we're Canadian. We're not supposed to get carried away <laughs> unless the footballers do the playoffs but okay. for me it's um, that moment in church when everybody is singing together and you have that moment of we're all in it together and it just swells up and it's awesome yeah that's good and it's a, it's like a, kind of like an offering right that's where we get the whole offering up stuff yeah I have two why? Probably the ocean. <laughs> Just one. And then when you get to reunite with people, that's really nice. I'm sorry, Nicole, what was the second one? Reunite. Like Reuniting with there. people. Yeah, that's great. Oh. Being on holiday and getting a text from our son saying, I got a job. Unbelievable. And a few more shorts to both job interviews. <laughs> I'm so glad that we're unparenting now. You know anyway, yeah. It was great. It was awesome. Just uh, on Friday, uh, my kids were attending a BBS this week at avenue we Baptist Church, and my son decided, that, well, after the barbecue was over, that he was gonna go and help in the kitchen to clean up afterwards. So that's what he did. And they also had a food bang going on Saturday, so he and I helped up. Helped and set up for the food bank on, on Friday night, so that's, just, that's something that made me feel really good. So great, good. Do you know? Yeah, it doesn't have to be us receiving; it can be us having the the privilege of giving, right? As yes, my husband was in a car crash this last Friday, but he, he, he is well and good today. Praise God. That's great. You are going through many adventures, brother. God is with you through all those twists and turns. Wow. Okay. I don't want to prolong anything, you know, and we'll have other times so you can, you can share what makes you sing, dance, and leap for joy. But that's the essence of the gospel. It's good news. This morning, I'm going to use a fairly familiar text to a lot of us to, to talk about it. And we're going to unpack this because I think many of us gloss over this gospel, this good news. And we say, yeah, 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 it might be good news for those people who really need good news, but eh, it's left us a little bit cold. We get so, so familiar with it that we take it for granted. But this morning, I'd just like to unpack This phrase, for God so loved the world. What what do we pull out of these? How many words, kids? Let's count them. One, two, audience participation, let's count the words. One, two, three, four, five, six. Anybody get more or less than six? Okay. We can get the eye doctor working on that. Okay, I get six six words. For God so loved the world. So what? So what? Well, let's unpack that. First thing I get out of this little phrase is that there actually is a creator. Now, you might think that's a no-brainer, but it's not. It's Many people don't agree with that. But there is a creator. And and we've talked about that in other, other sermons. The reason... Why it's rational to believe in the existence of a loving Creator when you look at the complexity and beauty of creation, or just the odds that we're here as a result of random chance are just too great. And if you want to discuss and debate all the details of how the creation developed and how long it took, that's a really interesting conversation. Don't have time for it. What I'm saying is that there is a Creator. Not everyone in the Canadian church agrees with me um, while I was in the holidays uh, my mother-in-law showed me this fascinating article about uh, a minister in the United Church in uh, a church in Toronto her name is uh, Greta Bosper, and she's fairly well known in the uh, United Church circles um, she says that the Bible is uh, mythology an ordained United Church of Canada Minister who believes in neither God nor the Bible said Wednesday she is prepared to fight an unprecedented attempt to oust her from the pulpit for her beliefs. Imagine that. And at her church in Scarborough, Reverend Greta Bosper said congregants support her view that how you live is more important than what you believe in. Now, she's got a good point there that how you live. Is very important, but what you believe in is the utter foundation that determines how we live. And I would posit to you that if you go around, if you base a church on, um, you know, on atheism, it's not going to last very long. I respect people who are atheists. I, I respect people who are agnostic, and they're skeptical about the existence of God because of all the hardship in the world, and different, in, the, in the world, and all the bad things that happen. I totally respect people's skepticism about that. But in spite of our feelings and our skeptical thoughts about the existence of a God, or the existence of a loving God, He does exist. He is there. And it's just interesting reading the progression in this article, but I guess I would posit to you that if there is no God, there's no one that we're accountable to, and it really doesn't matter how we live. We can do whatever we please. If there are no divine rules, then we can make our own rules, which a lot of people are doing. And we can base our rules on whatever most of the people think is okay, which seems to be how our society is going. But if we don't base our society, base our life in something solid, we're going to be blown all over the place. And the Bible refers to people that, who are unstable. Um, it's being blown all over the place by different winds of doctrine and different winds of popular opinion. The good news of the Gospel starts with the fact that there is a Creator what is he like? The creator so loves the world. For God so loved the world. God is not into moderation. Have you ever heard the expression, you know, moderation in all things, moderation is the world? It's not a Christian concept. There's no yin and yang in the Bible. There's no, you know, like, well, a little of this, a little of this, you know, don't be too far. None of that. God is passionate about His creation. He's not mildly interested. He doesn't yawn when He looks at us and go, He doesn't look at Elam Chapel and go, Man, He doesn't. God so loves the world. So loves the world. He's so passionately involved in His creation. We don't always see it. We don't understand it. And when difficult things happen in our lives, we say, that's it. God has abandoned me. He's not there. I can understand that, because I struggle with those thoughts myself sometimes. But just because I don't feel that God is there does not mean that He has deserted me. Just because on a bad day, I might feel that Luann doesn't love me That doesn't mean she stopped loving me. It just means I'm not able to receive that love at that time because of what's going on. God bless her. She's always trying to consistently love me. And usually I let it penetrate my thick skull and my hard heart. And I realize I'm not going to accept that love. That's how God the Father, how much more does God the Father feel about us? One of the coolest verses in the Bible may not be one that you're familiar with. But it goes like this. It's easy to find. 2 Sam 1414. Alright? If you want to look it up and check it out, check out the context of the story later. But it goes like this. Like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. Spill water on the ground, are you going to get it back out? No. So what the first part of this verse says, you only go around once. Right? Only get one shot of life. We can try to put off our impending mortality, but sooner or later, everybody dies. And there is a point in life where you start going to more funerals than weddings. That's, that's life, okay? Well that sounds kind of grim. But that's okay. That's, that's reality. Like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But... That is not what God desires. Rather, He devises ways so that a banished person may not remain banished from Him. What the second part of this verse does—the first part paints a kind of a grim reality—is that y'all got to go sometime. But God does not delight in our destruction. Instead, He devises ways so that a banished person. Does not remain banished from him. That means that God works in our lives and circumstances, is always drawing people to Himself. Now, I wish I had my daughter's two cats with me today, Max and because they would give me a great uh, illustration of how they respond to love. Max is a is a cuddler. He snuggles and who is he, he snuggles? He, he snuggles with you and, and just he kind of like and when you're done you've got this fine layer of black cat all over your face, but he's just so affectionate. Mowgli, his brother, you try to you try to hug him, and he puts out all fours like this. So you're kind of hugging the cat, you're holding the cat like this. We wanted to cradle him like a baby, so he doesn't but he's like he, you hug him like this. They say, "Don't resist me, Mowgli. I'm bigger than you. I love you." He's like, I'm like this, arms up. Some of us respond that way to God. This verse says that God is devising ways so that a banished person, an estranged person, doesn't always stay that way. So God is working in our lives to draw us to Himself. But some of us respond to that love like Mowgli, like this. Ah stay far away I don't need God I don't need God I'm good enough on my own don't tell me I'm a sinner don't tell me I'm missing something don't tell me I'm love keep your distance I can run my own life I'm a self-made man uh, good luck with the self-made stuff that's what I say but carry on but God still loves us reaches out to us, even though we resist him, like that silly cat Mowgli does when I try to pick him up. I don't expect Mowgli to change, but I keep picking him up because it's my daughter's cat, you know? God is always devising ways so that a banished person may not remain estranged from him. He's always working in our lives. And if we had time today we could sit around and hear a lot of stories about twists and turns in life. How God is always drawing us towards Him. God so loves the world. That that little word "so" is so important. God so loves the world. The last thing this little phrase tells us for God to so love the world is that God loves. All people. He doesn't play favorites. That happens in some families, right? And I'm you started down the wrong path, but maybe you felt you were overlooked in your family, or maybe you were the favorite, and you said, well, obviously, you know. But it's, it's easy to, to, to feel that way. And I'm saying that just because we've come back from an extended family visit, and that always makes you think about who grew up how, and it's all right, I'm over it. But um, but God loves all people. Now, down through history, it's been interesting to see how people have said, well, God loves us more than anybody else. He's with us. And remember, now in the Bible, God did choose the Hebrews as His special people for a while, so that He could bless the whole world. You look at Genesis 12. We don't have time to do it this morning. Genesis 12, God chooses the Hebrew people and makes a covenant with Abraham, He said, you know what? Through you, I'm going to bless the whole world. The whole world. Through your motley little band." And he told the Hebrews later on, I didn't pick you because you were really successful. I didn't pick you because you were just inherently awesome. I just loved you because I loved you. Oh, that kind of takes the air out of our tires a little bit. But on the other hand... It gives us great value, because God the Creator chooses us and loves us. Now, it's interesting to see, through history, how some people have said, well, God is with us more than anybody else. This is a German soldier's belt buckle from World War One. It says, you can't read it, but it says, Gott mit uns, does that sound? Close enough? Close enough. Thank you. Rose says it's close enough. Well, what that means is, God with us. Imagine every time you do your bent saying, yeah, God with us, you know, and you go out and fight. Canadians? Wait a minute. I thought God was with them. What side has God on? Um, and then we get into Canadian church history. It's bad to we say, oh, those people, well, they were deluded, you know. But then you look back at our history as a Canadian church. And how we cooperated with the Canadian government, taking Aboriginal people, children away from their families and beating them, for speaking their native language, thinking that we could beat some kind of Christian morality into them. I don't think God was with us at that time either. Abraham Lincoln had an interesting perspective on this whole God with us thing. Someone asked him during the American Civil War, is God on this side, is God on your side? And he said, Sir, my great concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. For God is always right. God loves all people. For God so loved the world. There is a creator. A creator who loves us so much. We've been singing about it all morning. My prayer is that it seeps down to our spirit, that hard baked clay, that Manitoba gumbo of our hearts, that, that love seeps down into it and saturates us and causes good things to grow. In for God so loved the world, He has no favorites. He has no favorites. He loves all of us, and it which is really, really, really good news,
1: even for those
0: other people, whoever the other people are in your life that you're not really crazy about or comfortable with, that's the love of God. That's the beginning of the Gospel. The next couple of weeks we're gonna unpack it because I want the Gospel to penetrate our hearts and minds because I don't want us just to believe the Gospel as a theory, I want us to experience it because if we experience it, we will develop a gospel culture in each Chapel. That's what God wants to see, a gospel culture, a way we interact with people, a way we look at the world. And that's what will transform us and transform Winnipeg and transform Canada. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you so love the world. That's kind of stunning. When we think of the things that we do and the things that other people do and our attitudes and the way we are, it's stunning. So I pray in the name of Jesus that we would be able to marinate in your love today. I pray that you would remove the barriers that hinder us from receiving your love. And Spirit of God, will you remind us in our spirits the spirit of adoption, that you have adopted us into your family. I pray that that spirit would descend on us now and penetrate our hearts this week. We pray this confidently in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.